Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation on this Good Shepherd Sunday, our epistle reading from 1 Peter 2, especially these words. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Good Shepherd Sunday. Jesus as the Good Shepherd. It's an enduring image, isn't it? Throughout the centuries, artwork has been displayed picturing Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Countless numbers of songs and anthems paraphrases of the shepherd psalm like we heard before psalm 23 the wonderful pictures that god gives us in scripture the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and then picks it back up again the good shepherd speaks and his sheep hear his voice and follow him the Good Shepherd is God Himself. I, I myself will go after the strays, those who have wandered away. So many wonderful themes and images and word pictures with this Good Shepherd Sunday. And then there's our epistle reading. Oh, yes, it mentions the word shepherd in the last verse. But our epistle reading brings us to a topic that sometimes makes us uncomfortable. 1 Peter chapter 2. It's really kind of a famous, a very important chapter in Scripture. You know the beginning of it. We sang it last week as a part of our intro. It. Like newborn infants crave this pure spiritual milk of the Word. I'm sure you know other parts of it as well. 1 Peter 2. God teaches us that you, Christians, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that are God's special possession. He owns us with a purpose to declare the marvelous deeds to the world of Him, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has called us out of darkness, the darkness of sin, into the marvelous light of forgiveness, life, and salvation. You might even know the passage from 1 Peter 2 that talks about the proper responsibility of government. We went over this in our table of duties just last week in confirmation class. Government exists to punish evil and reward Good. All of this in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
And then our text for today. For to this you have been called. It would be right to ask, what is the this? What have we been called to? Starting right here might make that a little bit unclear. 1 Peter 2, verse 19. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. To this you have been called, to suffer unjustly. Now, I don't believe I've ever seen that at the uh, beginning of any worldwide evangelism campaign. I don't believe I've seen this in any seminary recruitment material. We almost glide over these parts of Scripture that are very real and very relevant for our lives. We don't know what to do when suffering comes. Sometimes we listen to the voices of the world and we get sucked right in along with them. Other times we make the mistake that suffering, any suffering, automatically increases our faith. Suffering is not a means of grace. Word and sacrament are means of grace. There are times when we suffer, when we are driven to our knees and we long and we cling for the Word of God. We long for Christ's body and blood to feed us and strengthen us. And in that way, our strength, our suffering can produce an increase in faith. But suffering for the sake of suffering does not increase our faith and it gains nothing. Sometimes we get a little mixed up too with regard to the type of suffering we are enduring. God's word here in 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about unjust suffering. Much of the suffering that we endure is just if you are speeding down the road and you are pulled over by a law enforcement person and get a ticket and have to pay a fine or maybe even go to jail, that is not unjust suffering. If you don't pay your taxes year after year after year and eventually your property is foreclosed upon. That is not unjust suffering. There is a lie going around in our society with regard to some type of anarchist thought or philosophy that taxation is theft. That's nonsense. My friends, it is not unjust suffering. If you abuse your bodies with drugs or alcohol 
or late night snacks and then get sick. That is not unjust suffering. My friends, unjust suffering is very real. And we know it. But we need to be very clear. When we suffer for the faith, we are not being punished for our sin. God laid on him, Jesus, all sin for all people, for all time. Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for sin. No one can add to what Jesus has done and paid for, for our sin. The innocent one bearing our sin. That is unjust suffering. And he did it not in, out of coercion. He did it freely and willingly. He did it not for his own benefit, but he did it for our benefit. Jesus suffered unjustly so that we would have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And now, being washed clean in the waters of holy baptism. God has called us to a new life. He has given us a new identity. And in this identity, as Christians, we will often find ourselves falsely accused. And as we are falsely accused, we will suffer. How are we falsely accused? Well, we'll be accused of being selfish or holier than anybody else. When we choose worship or confirmation class above sports or maybe even a little thing like a marathon, we'll be accused of being prudish and old-fashioned when we follow the Ten Commandments and the morals of Holy Scripture. We'll be accused of being judgmental, unkind, lovers of rules and not people when we call sin, sin. We'll be accused of bigotry and homophobia when we teach that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. will be falsely accused of sexism when we teach what the Bible teaches regarding the role of women 
in church. We'll be falsely accused of sectarianism when we won't join in the joint worship service with those who don't believe in the words of Scripture. Or worse yet, who deny Jesus is the Son of God. We'll be falsely accused of being unfriendly when we teach and practice what God's Word clearly teaches with regard to closed communion. We'll be falsely accused of lovelessness when we teach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We'll be falsely accused of saying that we don't care about good works when we teach that Scripture teaches good works don't earn or merit forgiveness of sins. We'll be falsely accused of being haters when we say that boys are boys and girls are girls. We'll be falsely accused of being politically motivated when we stand up for the sanctity of human life. My friends, these sufferings are real. These are unjust sufferings that rear their ugly head in the life of a Christian. And if you haven't experienced them now, you will in the future. This is the way of a Christian. What are we to do? What are we to do when we are falsely accused? My friends, all too often, we want to fight back. All too often, when we are falsely accused, we want to fight. We want to tear down. We want to stand up for our rights. God's Word says, For to this unjust suffering you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He, Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. My friends, there have been many times when we have suffered unjustly and our reaction has been less than God-pleasing. We have reacted not out of love, but out of hate. We have reacted, not thinking of God's Word and promoting the Kingdom of God, but more about our own pride and selfishness. 
or prestige. There have been times when we have made the good confession and when that good confession was not received well, we lashed out rather than entrusting ourselves to him who judges justly. And there have been many times when confronted with the myriad of issues that are going on in our world, when we have failed to make the good confession, we've conformed to the sinful crowd. We have gone along with the voices of the world rather than listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. My friends, God's word for today is for all of us. As we endure unjust suffering and as we realize all of the times when we have sinned because or in or to avoid unjust suffering. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's Jesus, the shepherd of our souls. He feeds us. The overseer of our souls. He watches over us and guides us. And he teaches us that as we find ourselves truly suffering for the faith, unjust suffering, God honors us as we are counted worthy to suffer in the same way as our Lord and Savior Jesus. My friends, faith sees what is hidden. God promises that when unjust suffering comes, He is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The one who gave his life for us only to pick it up again three days later. The one who delivered Good Friday and Easter to us in the waters of holy baptism. The one who continues to feed us with the green pastures of his body and blood in and under bread and wine will never leave us or abandon us. And so today, we hear the wonderful music of Good Shepherd Sunday. We are astounded by the amazing artwork surrounding the Good Shepherd and Good Shepherd Sunday. And today, we give thanks for all the times we have wandered and been like straying sheep. By the grace of God, we have now returned 
to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. May God, the good shepherd, keep us safe in his nail-scarred hands today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our suffering. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.